Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Live from the palatial yet not overly ostentatious studios of CBS Sports Radio here in beautiful New York City. Sitting on top of the 10th floor, 345 Hudson Street. Welcome on in to a Wednesday edition of the Zach Gelb Show across all the great local CBS Sports Radio affiliates, Sirius XM, Channel 158, and that free Odyssey app. 855-212-4CBS, number to jump on in. 855-212-4227. You can always get at me on Instagram, where I'm straight flexing, or via the good old cesspool of Twitter, at Zach Gelb. That's Z-A-C-H-G-E-L-B. We'll get into everything going on with the Chicago Bears coming up an hour from now. There is a lot to unpack here from their old defensive coordinator where there's a bunch of rumors circulating about him and then the quarterback of the Chicago Bears, Justin Fields, who I said the other day that next year he will not be their quarterback and they'll be drafting someone in the first round. He really put his foot right into his uh, mouth today and then had to backtrack and clarify and blame the media for him blaming the coaches today at a press conference. So, Like, really, death taxes and the Bears always being a mess with their quarterback and their organization always being a mess as well. So we'll get into the Bears coming up an hour from now. Producing the extravaganza today for the next four hours is no other than Hot Take Kiki. Hot Take Kiki. Brady Quinn is going to join us coming up 20 minutes from now. So let's start the show with a little college football. I am really excited for this weekend in college football. This is the first enormous college football weekend that we have this season. Florida State-Clemson going to be a big-time game. Colorado-Oregon, UCLA-Utah, Ole Miss-Alabama. You also uh, have Oregon State and Washington State, uh, Ohio State-Notre Dame, Iowa-Penn State. Even if you want to say that this is uh, potentially a decent game, UNC going up against Pitt. There is a lot of games this weekend where you say, Ooh, ah, I want to tune in where the last few weeks, it hasn't been bad college football, but there's not been a lot of big headline games that you go into the weekend saying, I got to see this. I got to see that. And still with that being said, right? Like last weekend, people said going into the weekend for college football, oh, it's going to be boring. Oh, it's not a big weekend in college football. There's always things that happen that are unexpected week in and week out for college football. But what helps is we're supposed to have a bunch of marquee games coming up on Saturday. So I want to run through the five things that excite me the most for this weekend in the college football world. In no particular order. Colorado. This is their biggest test yet. We all know Coach Prime has been sensational. 
Shiloh Sanders, Shador Sanders, Travis Hunter, who's not going to play uh, because of the lacerated liver with that dirty hit that was uh, suffered in the game up against Colorado State. This has been the best story in college football and such a joy to watch with Colorado. And they beat TCU, they smothered Nebraska, and then when they were expected to smother that Colorado State team, that ended up being a great game going into double overtime. But now you have a two-week stretch with two big-time opponents and two opponents that both could go win the Pac-12, which you play in in the final year of existence for the Pac-12. You have an Oregon team that really knows how to play defense. Dan Lanning did a phenomenal job last year, and you after a slow start with that terrible week one performance, and now he's in year number two, and Bo Nix is back with this Oregon football team. This is a really good team, and then the week after that, you have USC. So you look at Vegas. Vegas has been dead wrong about Colorado throughout the, the entire way. You know, they had him as a, a big-time dog to open up the year. They won the game outright. Then they only had him as like a two-and-a-half, three-point favorite up against Nebraska. We all said that doesn't make any sense. That maybe could be a fishy spread, and they ended up blowing out Nebraska. Then it was, what, a 24-point spread last week, and they needed double overtime to take down Colorado State. So usually Vegas gets it right, but Vegas has not got it right yet with Colorado, and this weekend, the spread jumps out all the way to Oregon by 21. When the, the moment I saw that spread, and maybe I'll end up being wrong, I plus the 21 points. Like, I don't think Colorado's winning the game this weekend, but is Oregon going to be three more than three touchdowns, a little more than three touchdowns better than Colorado? I would be surprised by that. I really would be. Even coming off of a game where you're going up against an inferior opponent and you let that be a game. Like, Hickey, I know you believe Oregon's going to win. I believe Oregon is going to win the game as well. But I don't think this is going to be a game where we're sitting there in the fourth quarter and Oregon is up by 22 points or more. If you want to tell me Oregon wins the game by two touchdowns or they win the game by 17 points, okay. But to win this game by 22 points or more with how everyone has doubted Colorado and what Colorado's been able to do through the first three weeks of the season, that seems a little bit too rich for me in terms of what the spread is and too big for me. And maybe that's what Vegas is trying to do here on the fourth try is that everyone's going to see that spread and everyone's falling in love with this Colorado story. So maybe this is Vegas begging you to be an idiot, potentially, which maybe I am, and plus the 21 points. And the next thing you know, this is a four-touchdown game coming up on uh, Saturday afternoon. But with the way that Colorado has competed this year and the way that Coach Prime has motivated this team and that they're eating up every word that he says, I don't think they're going to win the game, but I'd be very surprised if this is a... 22 point or more uh, finish when it's all said and done. I am with Vegas here. No Travis Hunter. Oregon's a lot more physical and bigger on the offensive defensive lines. I think it's going to be a three or four score game. But didn't we say that going into the season with TCU and TCU is a big time favorite. I know that TCU lost and Oregon's a better football team than TCU and TCU lost a lot of players from that team that went to the national championship game a year ago. But everyone told me, Oh, 
Uh, in the trenches, TCU is just going to be so much bigger than Colorado. And it never looked like that because Colorado just killed them with their speed. And also, whether you think Oregon is a much better team than Colorado or not, which they are a better team, with Shador Sanders at the quarterback position, they're still going to, even up against a defense that looks like it's a great defense, I still think they're going to be able to put up a few touchdowns which, if they put up a few touchdowns, I know the Colorado defense is a question mark, and Shiloh Sanders had a great game last week. I, I have a tough time seeing as great as this Oregon offense could be with Bo Nix, outscoring Shador Sanders by a little bit more than three touchdowns. That's why, for me, when I circle on Colorado this weekend, I don't think they're going to win the game, but I got to think this quarterback's going to keep it within 21 points. Now, the other thing that excites me for this weekend I can't wait to see what the Ohio State quarterback and Kyle McCord looks like up against Notre Dame. Because I, the first three games of the season, he didn't do anything spectacular up against Indiana. Then he played better up against Youngstown State. And then everyone's buzzing after his performance up against Western Kentucky. He had three opponents that I don't care what the kid did. It's not going to make me say, ooh or ah, it's only going to cause concern. Like, it only could be set up for him to do bad things the last three weeks because even if he plays really well, people are going to bring up the opponent. Now you're going up against a really good Notre Dame team. I think we'll start to see how much of a concern or how much of a positive McCord is at the quarterback position for Ohio State this weekend. So that's something I'm excited to see. Another thing that I'm excited to see, Florida State up against Clemson. Clemson has been the top dog. Clemson has been the team in the ACC and made a big impact nationally with the national championships that they won and how many times they got to the championship game in the college football playoff. And they won seven out of the last eight ACC championships. And we know Florida State, I don't think they've defeated Clemson since like 2014 or something like that. Florida State has a football team that they showed you not only how good they could be week one, but how great they could be week one. Like, they beat LSU last year by one point. This year, they beat the crap out of them in the second half, 45-24. to 24. You have a player that joined us yesterday in Jared Verse that could be one of the best defensive players in the country. He's not played like that yet, though, through the first three games of the season for Florida State. And on the offensive side of the ball, if he stays healthy, Jordan Travis is expected to be a Heisman Trophy finalist in New York City in December. So you look at this Florida State team and you credit to the patience of Mike Norvell and what he's built the last few years and you started to see that they were getting it right last year this is their year this is their year to win the ACC and not only win the ACC because Clemson won the ACC last year and didn't go to the college football playoff but go to the college football playoff and you have Clemson now you're going to their turf Clemson is backed up into a corner Dabo has refused to to wave the white flag in this season nor should he but I don't think Davo is admitting the problems that this team has. Whenever you hear him speak, even after the Duke loss, he was very happy with his offense, so they only scored seven uh, points, and he's like, oh, well, he threw for 200. We ran for 200 as well. I believe you have a Clemson team that still thinks they're the top dog and still thinks they're all that, and we're going to find out on Saturday if that is still in them for this year because this Florida State team is one of the best teams in the country, and if you're Florida State, you have to take advantage and you have to put the nail in the coffin for Clemson this year. Because, hey, they could still find a way to bounce back and make an ACC championship game. I get that. But 
when you're looking at four weeks into the season, you have two conference losses up against Duke and Florida State. That's going to be tough slang, and it's going to start to show you that when they play Charles Southern, uh, Southern uh, Charleston Southern, and they play FAU, sure, uh, they could go have blowout victories, but when they play better competition, when it was a team in Duke that's solid and Florida State that we think is great, they just weren't ready for the moment, and they're not on par right now with those programs in the year of 2023. The other thing I'm very fascinated to see this weekend, you know Ole Miss is going to be able to score points. How many points is Alabama going to be able to score? And this spread started out during the week at seven. Alabama by seven. I thought that was too high. I plus the points of Ole Miss. I don't know who's going to win the game, but I'll take the points there. It's now down to Alabama minus six and a half. I wonder where it will close at right before kickoff. But last week, I thought Nick Saban elected to go to Buckner way too early to start that game. I know Milrow did not play well up against Texas, but he won the job. I don't get why you pull someone two weeks in the season and bench him after two weeks into the season when you know that there's not other good options with what Simpson and Buckner right behind him. I want to see when Alabama panicked last week and then it was quarterback roulette up against USF where they just couldn't score. And I thought going into that game, Saban heard some of the noise after the Texas and felt pressured for the first time in his career to make a decision that probably he didn't want to make. I want to see how Milrow responds this week up against Ole Miss. And then finally, we won't find out until tomorrow. I know last week we had Kyle Whittingham on the show, and he made it seem like there was a shot that Cam Rising was going to be able to play. Last week, I kind of threw the analogy, Coach, it kind of feels like you're a kid the night before Christmas, and you know the president's under the tree, and you just want to go rush down and, and open up the present. And he laughed, and he said, that's a good analogy. But we didn't see Cam Rising last week. If we didn't see him last week, I would have to venture to say that we're going to see him this week, and you're going up against UCLA and Chip Kelly, and you expect a whole lot of points in that top 25 matchup. So when Cam Rising, assuming he plays, and I know earlier in the week they said they'll probably make a decision tomorrow on Thursday, I want to see how much rust there is to knock off with the, the ACL tear that Cam Rising did suffer going back to the Rose Bowl because when he's healthy and he's a full go, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country, and the last two years... He's won the Pac-12. So those are the five things that excite me the most this weekend in college football. And what is a monster weekend? Colorado's biggest test yet, going up against Oregon. What will Kyle McCord do up against Notre Dame? Will Florida State prove to Clemson that their run is over? What will the Alabama offense look like? And then the hopeful return of Cam Rising. If I had to give you a six, like if we uh, ended up uh, kicking an extra point here and a touchdown, let's say, was only five, it would also be the high-octane offensive game that we're expected between Oregon State and Washington State. And I love that conversation that we had yesterday with DJ Ungole. And I don't think people are talking enough about this Oregon State defense, and we'll see what they're made out of going up against Ward this upcoming uh, Saturday night, 7 p.m. Eastern on Fox. All right, let's take a break here on the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. What excites you the most this weekend in college football? 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. When we come on back, Former Notre Dame quarterback, former NFL quarterback, now big-time broadcaster on Fox, Brady Quinn, will join us. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. 
You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to The Zach Gelb Show. All right, it is The Zach Gelb Show, coast to coast on CBS Sports Radio. A big weekend of college football upcoming it's only Wednesday, and we're counting down the days, trying to fast-forward through uh, Thursday and Friday to get us to Saturday, because this is the first big monster slate in the college football world uh, through the first three or four weeks of the season, so we're really looking forward to that. And now joining us is the former Notre Dame quarterback, does a sensational job with Big Noon kickoff on Fox, and that, of course, is Brady Quinn here with us on the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. Brady, appreciate the time. How are you? I'm doing well, brother. Thanks for having me on, Zach. Well, thanks so much for coming on. So let me start you off with Notre Dame, Ohio State. All eyes this weekend are on Kyle McCord to see what he's going to look like up against Notre Dame. What type of performance do you think the Ohio State quarterback will give us on Saturday? Well, I, I don't think it's so much about Kyle McCord. I think it's more about the offensive line for Ohio State and really the running backs led by Travion Henderson. You know, I think that group is going to do the best they can to try to take the pressure off of Kyle McCord so he doesn't have to win it with his arm. I mean, remember, this is a Notre Dame defense that only gave up 21 points to Ohio State last year. That was their lowest output, and they've gotten deeper and they've gotten better. And so I, I think it's, it's a tall task to then ask a guy, Kyle McCord, in his first year starting to go on the road to South Bend and try to be able to dice up a defense that's been really stingy so far this season. Maybe not so much tested, but uh, potentially have to go you know, throw for throw with a guy like Sam Hartman, who's one of the most prolific quarterbacks we've seen out of the ACC and now doing the same thing at Notre Dame so far. So I, I think it's going to be more about you know, Ohio State and if they can run the football and if they can't. And they have to rely on Kyle McCord. That could be a tall order, even as talented as they are on the outside of wide receiver. Yeah, I know when we always talk about these games, and you know it better than anybody, we all talk about the quarterbacks, right? I started off with Kyle McCord. You, of course, talk about Sam Hartman. But the last two years with Ohio State, when they were exposed up against Michigan, they just got beat up in the trenches on both sides of the ball. And then the running backs for Michigan just took care of them. Like when I look at Notre Dame, I can't wait to see what type of game Audrey Estime has because the first few weeks of the season, he's looked like a stud, and I want to see if Ohio State could slow him down. Yeah, and they've really got a stable of backs, even behind Audrey Estime. You know, when you're looking at, like, Love, their freshman, uh, you'll see him little number 12, he gets out there. Um, and, there's, and there's really five backs that you'll kind of rotate through and see. Audrey Estime actually leads the country right now and, uh, in total yards as a running back. But, 
Um, they, they've got a great group. Um, they obviously mix them in, kind of play to their strengths. The offensive line probably never gets enough credit. I mean, if you look at Joel, he's arguably the best um, left tackle in the country. You know, there's a few other people that might be in the conversation for that, but he's amazing. Blake Fisher at the other side, the amazing Zeke Coral, and then the inside at center is great. The two guards are inexperienced, but you know, for the most part, um, they've they've really been able to pound and physically uh, dominate teams thus far. I think this is going to be by far and away their greatest challenge, really, this entire season. I mean, this Ohio State defensive front is is sound, they're solid. They're they're probably best um, suited up front in the interior. Uh, there's no Chase Youngs on the edge. Uh, however, the, the tackles will be tested. I mean, this is the best defensive front Notre Dame's seen yet to date. So um, it, it's going to be fascinating to see how Notre Dame goes about trying to run the football. I wouldn't be shocked if you don't see Sam Hartman keeping the football a little bit more, too, uh, utilizing some of his legs as well. On a scale of 1 to 10, 1, no confidence, 10, most confidence you've ever had, how confident are you that Notre Dame will get the job done? 10. I mean, I, I saw this team week zero up close and personal in Dublin, Ireland. And, and granted, it wasn't so much about being there for their, them playing Navy. It was just seeing the team and seeing the, the size, the depth they have really in the trenches, looking at their skill positions. They're as long and as athletic and as skillful as I've seen in my lifetime. So um, this is a group that's been they've recruited well, they've developed well. Um, they've kind of been primed now to try to have that breakthrough. And I think Sam Harmon's the guy that's now opening so many things up for them on the outside, a wide receiver, where they've had talent. They just haven't been able to have someone who can really stretch the field vertically and then really give them that. And they've got a quarterback now that can do that. I mean, it's it's been a long time since the Notre Dame team has had this much talent on one roster. I think it's going to surprise a lot of Ohio State people. Uh, and, you know, you mentioned how Ohio State's matched, matched up versus Michigan. This group feels very similar to Michigan as far as how this team is built. They're still built through the running game, dominate you physically, but sound, solid defense. They can get pressure. They can get turnovers. Uh, but now they've got the ability to make the big plays, too, with the quarterback, uh, very similar to how Michigan can do it. So I, we'll see where Ohio State's at because this is going to be the closest thing they'll face before they have to go up uh, to Ann Arbor and have to play the Wolverines. So how far can Notre Dame take it this year? Because when you say 10 out of 10 confidence, they're going to beat – Ohio State, that's a pretty big claim. And, and I like Notre Dame this weekend, let me add. But, you know, this team at the end of the year, how do you think we're talking about the Fighting Irish? Yeah, I think they're going to be potentially a college football playoff contender. I mean, the biggest question is if they do win this one, you know, the, the USC game is going to be the biggest USC yeah. game probably since I was there back in 05. Yeah. Now, granted, I mean, you're not talking about a team that was on a 27-game win streak and won back-to-back national championships, but – They've got the reigning, reigning Heisman Trophy winner. Their offensive juggernaut. They've gotten better on defense, too, especially through the transfer portal. They've got six guys, basically, who have been starters that they got through the portal this year. So uh, USC is a much better team and much more poised to try to make a run at the college football playoff. And I think if you get through that game, you know, based on how Clemson looks so far, even though that game's down in Clemson, South Carolina, you know, the, the schedule, it's not easy. I mean, Duke, now they're on the road. That's a tough game. Louisville's on the road. That's a tough game. Um, but But I think they've got a shot, you know, of being that team that I think makes it in if they can go unscathed. If they drop one, it, you know, it, it, you obviously the, the, your fate's not in your hands anymore. You're hoping then that you're going up against, you know, potentially uh, two loss conference champions. That's the only way you can really assure yourself potentially a shot. Uh, but with their strength of schedule, I, I think it's going to play out pretty well that they'll be in the mix at the end of the year. Brady Quinn here with us. So Clemson is vulnerable uh, Florida State's clearly a better football team. You know, Clemson's been the standard in the ACC, seven out of the last eight years winning the conference. Uh, is Florida State going to take care of them, take care of them pretty good this weekend? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, it's crazy to think, too, that line before the season started, I want to say it was, you know, Clemson, I think given seven or four, whatever it is, 
you know, now you've got Florida State. I think I believe they're going there too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. They're, they're given a point and a half or whatever it is now. I mean, the, the tough thing for Florida for Clemson is they just don't have the offensive firepower on the outside. Will Shipley's a fantastic back. They also have a stable of backs, but you know, Dabo hasn't bought into the transfer portal and NIL as big as some of the other schools, and I think that's hurt them at least in recruiting or potentially supplementing their roster uh, to be able to find some of those dynamic playmakers they're accustomed to having on the outside. And you look at Florida State, I mean, they went and got Keon Coleman from Michigan State. He's had a huge impact. They've already got a big target in uh, Johnny Wilson. They got Shaheem Bell from South Carolina at tight end. Those guys are really tough to match up with, and especially when you combine you know, that with the rushing attack for Florida State and Jordan Travis's mobility. So uh, I, I just I don't feel confident that um, Clemson's going to be able to go you know, blow for blow, Florida State. If they start, you know, you know, scoring some points and and it becomes a track meet on the field. I think that's my big concern there for Clemson. Brady Quinn here with us. Big noon kickoff, which is sensational. Uh, there'll be Oklahoma, Cincinnati this week. When we get to Ole Miss, Alabama, it's been quarterback roulette for the Crimson Tide through the first three weeks of the season. Now they're going back to Jalen Milrow. They're going up against Ole Miss this weekend. Three thirty p.m. Eastern is kickoff there on CBS. Uh, what does the Alabama offense look like this week if you had to take a stab at it? A lot of running the football. You know, if you're looking at Ole Miss right now, they're getting about 350 yards a game so far. They really haven't played the, the toughest opponents. About half that's on the ground. So I, I think you're going to see a lot of running the football. Jalen Milrow will obviously be part of that. And they'll sprinkle in and try to build some more concepts to the things he feels comfortable with. Look, everyone's going to make a big deal about what happened last week with USF. I think that was a game that Alabama felt it was very winnable for them. And if they were ever going to try to give a dress rehearsal to Tyler Buckner, who transferred there, or to Ty Simpson, who lost out in the quarterback battle, that was the game to do it. And so we're all going to make a big deal about, you know, hey, you know, Milrose in a part of it. They benched some all stuff. It wasn't that. I think they wanted to give these guys some live game reps. You don't have preseason in college football. This is a quarterback battle that dragged on to the start of the season. And that was the game that they selected to try to give those guys a shot. Clearly, that's not the answer. So, they go with Milrow now. Uh, I have no reservations whatsoever about Bama. I think this has been an extreme overreaction of what we saw last week. And I think this is one where Alabama's going to take care of business. Their defense has been the most consistent piece for them. I know Lane Kim's had success versus, you know, Nick Saban defense in the past. But, you know, Jackson Dart had to carry this team last week running the football. I just don't know that they have the dynamic playmakers on the outside, like we've been accustomed to seeing in years past. The, the Jonathan Mingos, the A.J. Browns. You know, et cetera. So uh, I think that's where they may be lacking a little bit. And this is one where Alabama takes care of business. Talking to Brady Quinn right now, uh, UCLA, Utah, if Cam Rising plays, I think they're going to make a decision on it tomorrow. Uh, it's a big plus for Utah, even though they're 3 0, they've done a heck of a job to start off this season for the back to back Pac 12 champs. But what can you realistically expect from Cam Rising coming off that ACL first game back going up against UCLA? It's a great question, Zach, because he's been, you know, practicing for the past couple of weeks now. Yeah. We kept thinking like maybe it was last week he was going to get a chance to play and get out there. Uh, so I, I'm not sure, you know, I know it's, it's all based on the, the medical, you know, and, and the docs to clear him, but they probably want to wait till he's as close to 100% as possible. And, and I spoke with him before the season even started and he led me to think that he was going to play this year and, and he was going to, you know, show out. Maybe this is that match that he had circled in his rehab process. But, but either way, the, the matchup comes down to, UCLA's ability to run the football against that Utah rush defense, that's always so good. Second right now in the Pac-12. You know, UCLA's running the crap out of the ball. It's a little skewed because of their last, their last game running for about 400 yards. Um, but Utah wants to put this game on the true freshman quarterback, Dante Moore. You know, he's a five-star recruit, 
highly talented, you know, talented kid. Uh, he's a good decision maker. He, he's checked every you know box so far. But this is that that big challenge. You got the two-time Pac-12 champ, Morgan Scout, their defensive coordinator, knows how to get pressure. He knows how to frustrate young quarterbacks, and, and that's really what it comes down to. If UCLA struggles to run the football, I think Utah can take care of business, whether Cam Rising's there or not. Uh, Nate Johnson and, and Bryson Barnes have done a really good job backing up for him there. Staying in the Pac-12, Oregon State, Washington State. Uh, this could be a fun one between D.J. Ungalay and then also Ward. Going to be a lot of points in this one. Uh, I think people are sleeping on this Oregon State defense, but uh, what do you think will ultimately determine uh, the, the game between Oregon State and Washington State and Pullman? Yeah, isn't it fun talking about all these all these Pac-12 matchups? Really, the and the conference is going away. It's it's crazy. It's the best it's ever it's been fun. with with eight teams in the top twenty-five, and the conference is dead. Yeah, the the, the swan song too. And I, I hear people saying, "Hey, if if Dion would have been at, at CU last year, maybe that they would have worked out a TV rights deal. Who knows? Maybe they would have." But you know, Cam Ward, the quarterback for for Washington State, from Carner Ward, um, he, he's been phenomenal. Like he's one of the best players in college football that you don't hear about because. They can yell as loud as they want from Pullman, and no one on the East Coast is able to see it. Hopefully, people will watch this young man. He is an absolute star. And, and look, he's, he's facing his biggest challenge so far this season. Oregon State's the more complete team, and you're seeing DJ Uyunglele kind of reborn under Jonathan Smith, who look, look was a former quarterback there at Oregon yeah. State. Really good offensive mind. I, I just think Oregon State's is going to be too much for him to ask. I think they'll be able to run the football. DJ useful is really comfortable within the system and defensively it's just too tall of a task. So tight game. Um, but, but I think Oregon state will take care of business versus Washington state. And I think it's good also. when you're trying to get the East coast fan involved in Oregon state, Washington state, this is 7 PM Eastern kickoff on Fox. Uh, last thing I'll ask you um, in terms of the games this weekend, we know the biggest story in the sport right now is coach prime with Colorado. They have their biggest task yet going to Eugene going up against the ducks who are a sensational team with Dan Lanning and Bo Nix. Uh, right now, Oregon's a 21-point favorite. Earlier in the week, I plus the 21 points. I just think it's too many points. I expect Oregon to win the game, but I just have too much respect for Colorado to think that they're going to lose this game by 22 or more. Yeah, we've seen it now the past three weeks, and Shador Sanders is an absolute star at the quarterback position. And when you've got a guy who can distribute the football, be as accurate as he is, as poised as he is, uh, and, and the ability to make plays like he did last week, a 98-yard drive, uh, really to help take them into overtime. I mean, He's always going to give you a shot, and, and this is going to be Oregon's, you know, really biggest test so far this year. So it's going to be a track meet. I think both teams will be able to score some points. Eventually, though, as long as Oregon doesn't shoot themselves in the foot like TCU did Week One or Nebraska did Week Two, you know, they should be able to manhandle CU in the trenches. And that's where you know they'll be able to get pressure on Shador Sanders. They'll be able to, you know, obviously run the football at will if they want. And I think that's the battle that CU is up against just these next two weeks. It's the talent of obviously what they're playing with that can match them. Because obviously Xavier Weaver and Jimmy Horn Jr. will be the kind of the star of the highlights. Michael Harrison will play more now with the injury to Travis Hunter, um, you know, uh, the lacerated liver. So Harrison will play more at the tight end spot for CU. And you saw that at the end of last week's game. But, you know, teams can match up evenly with, with their skill. It's, it's really about the trenches. And that's where you know, the Oregons, the USC's are just that much better up front where it's hard to imagine that they're not going to be able to get pressure, not going to be able to do what they want. And ultimately, I'm with you. I think Colorado can keep it close. But it could be miraculous to see them be able to go to Eugene and get a win. But I just I kind of find it hard to believe based on what they're up against right now. If Shador leaves Colorado after this year to go to the pros, is there? I don't think he'll surpass 
uh, Caleb Williams, but could he move past Drake May in, in some of these mock drafts, in your opinion? You know, maybe. I mean, like as far as the mock drafts go, sure. I'm sure someone's going to throw that out there. As far as what the teams think. Well, in Brady that, Quinn's mock draft, let's go. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I would say I have him right up there with them. I mean, obviously you want to see him play a little bit more this year too. But, look, he checks all the boxes. I mean, he's got the prototypical size. He's he's extremely accurate, in particular downfield, which is, you know, really what the, the game's become at the next level is all the vertical passing games. So, you know, that combined with the athleticism, combined, combined with the fact he's a good decision maker, you know, he's right there, you know, after those guys. I think you're, Caleb Williams is on an island on his own. That, that guy is yeah. just an, he's an alien. You know, he's that talented of a quarterback. He probably should win the Heisman two years in a row. I don't know if they're going to give it to him or not, but he's that damn good. You know, Drake may somewhere after that. He hasn't looked quite as good this year as I think people felt about him last year. And Shador's kind of flew up on the scene. So, yeah, I think there's definitely a debate to be made between those two. And then obviously there's some others that, that I think we're going to throw in the mix when it's all said and done. Yeah, I'll be curious. Yeah, we're talking about Michael Penix Jr. at the end of this year. Because personally, I have Washington Brady uh, winning the Pac-12. I feel like uh, we all know that they're a good team. But when it comes to winning the Pac-12, just people are looking elsewhere this year. Whether it's USC, you know, Colorado, Oregon, and maybe even Utah for the third straight year. Well, yeah, I was going to say, like, Utah gets no love. All they do is just keep going out there and physically beating you up and winning football games, winning Pac-12 championships. It's like, everyone's like, well, who's, who's going to beat USC? I'm like, I don't know. There's a lot of teams that yeah. could. I mean, it, this is, it's a gauntlet for anyone in the Pac-12. It's probably why they wouldn't get a team in the playoff because no one can survive that. I mean, you mentioned Washington. You know, the, the two wide receivers out there right now in their defense, I mean, Sick. they're as good as anyone. Like, like that team should be probably a, a top-six team right now based on how they look. And Michael Penix has been phenomenal. He's helped himself in his draft stock. So, look, I, I gush talking about the Pac-12 because you turn on the tape, all you're watching is great quarterback play at the college level, so it's a ton of fun. But it's going to be fascinating to see how the next few weeks play out. And I feel bad, but in the final year, it might be the best year for the Pac-12, but they might even play themselves out of being a part of the playoff. All right, last thing I'll ask you, Brady Quinn, from a broadcasting standpoint, you know how special game day is. Now you're on Big Noon, and you guys have done a great job. This weekend you'll be... Um, at Cincinnati for Oklahoma, Cincinnati, uh, to hear people now say that they think Big Noon, and so I've heard some people say this, Big Noon is a better show than game day. When you hear those compliments and those comments, just what, how does it make you feel, and how do you kind of look at that? Well, it's a huge compliment. I mean, look, game day has been around forever. You know, it was just the staple that a lot of people grew up turning on. And, you know, all we've tried to do is provide what we feel like is you know, our, our best form or presentation of college football and, and trying to have fun, educate people, entertain people, and, and, and really talk about the game that's been so good to us and the game that we love. And so if we're able to change people's habits out there where, where when they tune out on Saturdays, they're tuning in to big noon tick, uh, kickoff at, at 10 a.m. Eastern time, you know, awesome. Like, like that's, that's our goal, obviously, is we want to try to be out there to reach as many people as possible with our way of, of communicating our love for the game of college football. So come join us uh, 10 a.m. Eastern every Saturday on Fox. Uh, you can obviously, you know, see, see, see the whole crew having some fun. Uh, it's been, it's, I mean, last week was like a con. I mean, we had little Wayne out there. Sick. Brock was there. It was nuts. I've never, I've never been a part of anything like it was that, the world's so. biggest frat party. That, that's the way that I <laughs> described it. That's, that's one way of putting it. I mean, I feel bad for the kids. I'm not sure they were all able to make it to the, uh, the late kick at what, <laughs> uh, what, 8 p.m., I think, local time there. A lot of naps uh, during the middle of the day. There's no no doubt about it. You wake up at probably 7 and go, up. Oh, got an hour to get ready for the game. Anyway, Brady Quinn, keep on kicking ass. Always appreciate when you join us. Thank you. Thanks, Robert, Zach. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. You're listening to the Zach Gelb Show. All right, it is the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. Hickey, have you ever heard of uh, the seaweed snack? I don't know if it's starting to become popular, but have you ever had seaweed as a snack? I've heard of it, never had it. Okay, so I was uh, doing my weekly hit today with my guys uh, Hockman and Crowder on 560 WQAM in Miami, uh, one of the uh, one of our RDC stations, and um, I saw on Friday that they were trying seaweed on the air, and they're big proponents of the of the seaweed snack. So I did a quick Amazon delivery, and I brought it on the air today because they do this via uh, StreamYard, so they had the video of it. And I tried the seaweed snack. It was delicious. For something that looks so gross, for something that you would think is not at all tasty, I, I will go to my locker here in a second, and I'll, I'll grab some for you during one of the breaks, and, and maybe we'll have you try it. I was tasting popcorn. But it looks nothing like popcorn, clearly. But every bite that I had in this small package of uh, seaweed that I got, it literally tastes like movie theater popcorn. It, uh, if you kind of get the drift and, and the vibe that I'm going with there. like I, I was going to say, I would imagine it being salty. Um, definitely salty. Maybe, I guess, more of a chip flavor, like a more salt than, I guess, a popcorn um, taste. But interesting. Not surprising. I've definitely screamed salt, though. And it's not fattening. Um, Mark Hockman said it's not healthy, but it's not unhealthy. So whatever that means, he just goes, it's kind of just like huh. empty. He goes, they kind of just like empty calories, but something that you eat and that you say, oh, okay, it's pretty good. No fat, no sugar, no calories probably, but salt, maybe too much salt intake could hurt you. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. During the interview. So they, they give you like a six pack of this stuff and I don't know, there's probably like eight sheets of of seaweed i i ate uh the entire eight sheets during one little segment so i have five other uh packs of uh of eight here of uh seaweed so we'll have you try it later you had eight sheets yeah they're very small like bite size no they're like um how many how many bites to finish a sheet oh um i don't think it's enjoyable in one bite just because It's not the most tasty thing in the world. Like it's it doesn't taste bad, but because of the salt on it, it is tough to do it in one bite. But it's it's not that big where you're like, oh, you're you're a savage if you end up going more than one bite. So they eat it for the taste, eat it for the I guess not the health. Like they like the taste more oh, they than like you it. do. No, I, I like it. I thought it was good, but they think it's great, and that's why they eat yes. it. Yeah. Ta- okay. 
I thought it was I thought it was popcorn. Okay. I love popcorn. I got some Same. popcorn last night after the show. I thought it was it exceeded my expectations. I thought it was enjoyable. I'm surprised though that you're not putting up a fight here to try this because usually like when you hear things like oh, I'm not going to try it, it just sucks. And you would think just when you hear seaweed, you go, oh, that's going to be awful. I'm a little bit surprised. Maybe you're making progress in the food department. I told you I'm open. I'm open. Mm. History hasn't now, backed that up. I'm open to certain things. Like I don't think slugs with a Ten pounds of butter. Delicious. And what's the other thing on it? What's in escargot? Just oil and butter. Oil and with, butter. With a snail. I don't think that. Mm. Yeah, you, basically, just give me an IV of oil and butter. Then, if you're just gonna, Mm-mm, you know, put it that much on a sn- on a snail. Have you ever had alligator? No. Alligator is also delicious. I would like to try alligator. I'm if you ever to go it. to New Orleans, make sure you get alligator. That's the first time I had alligator. It kind of tastes like uh, chewy chicken, is the way that I would describe it. But it was very good. Sounds about right. Yeah. All right. We'll, we'll get you to try things. So we'll we'll try seaweed with you later. Anyway, Brady Quinn just joined us. I think my biggest takeaway from the Brady Quinn interview, and I know it's easy for people to say, oh, he went to Notre Dame, so obviously he's going to pick Notre Dame. But on a scale of 1 to 10, I asked him, 1, no confidence in the world, 10, all the confidence in the world. How confident is he that at South Bend this weekend, Notre Dame is going to defeat Ohio State? And his response was 10. Now, I believe Notre Dame is going to win the football game this weekend. I'm not going to put my number at a 10. I would say it's probably at, I don't want to go six and a half. That sounds like a lame number. I'll go seven. I think it's at a seven. Notre Dame has one of, if not the best offensive lines in the country. I believe Audric Estime is going to bully Ohio State. I know Ohio State's defense improved, but the last two years, we've seen the run game for Michigan when they go up against Ohio State, and that line, which has been the best offensive line in college football the last two seasons for Michigan, just dominate Ohio State in the trenches. And for Sam Hartman, he's the more experienced quarterback. And I think the better quarterback than Kyle McCord, which is a big test in a big environment for McCord. So I like Notre Dame to win the game. I don't think it's impossible for Ohio State to win this game. I think it will be a close game. But I will go 7 out of 10 confidence level for me that Notre Dame, and I usually never pick Notre Dame in a big spot, is going to take down Ohio State. I was surprised, though, that we were at a 10 with Brady Quinn. How about yourself? What's your number? 3.5. I don't think they're winning the game. I am very leery of the fact that Ohio State, with still a lot of talent and a lot of wins under Ryan Day, who knows how to win a big game, only lost six games, is getting overlooked severely. I think a lot of people are in Brady Quinn's camp that Notre Dame's going to win. A lot of people, a lot of people feel good about it. I do think Ohio State, granted it was Western Kentucky. I think they found something on offense last week. And I'm very nervous that this, they are getting overlooked big time. So we know the wide receivers at Ohio State are, are sensational. They're wide receiver you. They're the best wide receiving core in the country each and every year. But what you just said, the way that we're talking about the Ohio State offense, more importantly, the quarterback after one game up against a lousy opponent, that's what really concerns me, knowing Sam Hartman's a better quarterback. And then also Estime has just been phenomenal this year behind that offensive line. We've seen Ohio State come up small against Michigan in the trenches, and and the Notre Dame offense, at least, is just a bunch of studs when you look from left to right across that offensive line. Uh, Who is it? Mike Sanford, who was the former college uh, uh, football coach, and last year was the uh, the interim coach at Colorado, and he used to coach at Notre Dame when they had that ridiculous offensive line. Um, with uh, who was on that offensive line? Quentin Nelson. Quentin Nelson. You had um, McGlinchey. Oh, yes. Ronnie Stanley. Ronnie Stanley, yep. Yeah, was was on that offensive line. That's perceived to be one of the 
the greatest offensive lines ever in college football. He said that this group this year at Notre Dame could be on par better than that offensive line with all the players that they pumped into the NFL. So that's a formula. We'll learn a lot about Ohio State because this is a big prove-it moment for Ohio State. We will learn how different is this Ohio State team than the teams the last two years because Brady Quinn is right in terms of the philosophy, and I think Hartman could be better than McCarthy, even though McCarthy's really good. Michigan and Notre Dame are similar. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.